0: Thanks for joining us today for our Monday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we will be continuing our study in Genesis. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your
1: trials will be over. So again, this kind of shows us at this place that they will not eat with foreigners. So these Hiscock kings, guess what? even though they have um, all these other flocks and things like that, and they have no problem interacting with Joseph and his man coming in, the Egyptians will not, again, showing that this king is not an Egyptian, okay, is not an Egyptian. So, so again, it's interesting to me that they're going to go to this area. They're going to settle in the Nile Delta region. I'll show you a picture here in a moment. Um, and And it's away from where all the other Egyptians are living at this time, okay? It's also interesting to me that the word of God has a lot to say about shepherds. We know Abraham was a shepherd. Jacob is a shepherd. King David was a shepherd. Jesus himself calls himself what? The good shepherd. And we who put our faith in him are his sheep. He is a good shepherd and he gives his life for the sheep. I would submit to you that Egypt represents the world and the shepherd is an abomination to the world. That is why it is today as well. Jesus, the good shepherd, is an abomination to the world. The world wants nothing to do with the good shepherd or his sheep. And we are here to be a light. We are here to be a witness. But just like with them, they want nothing to do with shepherds. I would say it's the same thing today in this world, that this world wants nothing to do with the good shepherd. Starting here in chapter 47, verse 1, Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, my father, my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. And indeed, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. So he didn't take all his brothers. He only took five of them. We don't know which five that was. God doesn't reveal that to us. And it says, then Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. So up to this point, Pharaoh has not been told that Joseph's brothers are shepherds. Um, for this reason, it's better to keep them segregated away from the Egyptians since shepherding was an abomination to the Egyptians. And so by instructing his brothers to make sure that you say that you're shepherds, this is now going to lead Pharaoh to say, hey, yeah, this is probably a good place for you to go, the land of Goshen. All right? So even though Joseph, uh, Pharaoh told him, whatever you say will be like I said it, still Joseph doesn't come to him and said, yeah, I told him to go to Goshen. Don't really need your approval or anything like that. He still kind of says, hey, I've kind of led them there, but, you know, kind of what do you think? And he's thinking, yeah, that's a good place for him to go. That's a good place for him to go. So the word Goshen here in the Hebrew means uh, drawing near. And this is in the lower region of the Nile Delta River here. So I have this uh, wonderful little map here. Um, and so you can see here where Beersheba is at the very lower end, right over here, right before they cross into, uh, uh, into, uh, Egypt area. And so this is the, the river delta area right here, Goshen. Okay. This is where Cairo is right here. Memphis is right up here. Thebes is up here. This is where the majority of Egypt dwelt, was right in here. And so as the Nile goes through here and it splits off into like five different rivers, that uh, makes this very fertile down here and very green, Um, this is where most of the agriculture was being done around Egypt. And so when uh, there's no snow and the river kind of dries up and just kind of trickles down, then all this area that you see is green is not able to uh, produce uh, any of their... um, Fields of, of corn and, and, and grain, I should say, and things like that. So, um, so again, it's dry and famine has hit everywhere. And this is probably very, a little area of here that's green down here. But they're not going to up and move everything and move everything down here and try and, you know, live down here. They're just staying where they are and it has dried up. And remember, they already, already have a plan in place. Because the seven years are so plentiful, they, they went and they, they took the grain and they, they stored it for this particular time. Okay. And so they have been taken care of at this point. They could stay where they are and they're being given grain, as we're going to see right now, how that all happened. But the, uh, but, um, Jacob and his band are going to go were coming over here because this, Avaris, it says, was a one-time capital of Egypt, and that's probably where the capital was at that time. So this is where they were going. So a great uh, number of people also dwelt in this area here and up this river and all that kind of stuff. And so, But way down here, it wasn't really inhabited very much, okay? And so this is where they're going to go, and this is where um, Israel is going to become a nation is in that lower part of Egypt. And so... We see that 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 is the place that they are going to go. And so in verse 5, it says, And Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your fathers and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock as well. And so again, This, again, shows that this is one of the Hiscock kings because he shouldn't have these flocks and herds um, if he was an Egyptian. So, verse 7, Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob, set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh doesn't bless Jacob. Jacob blesses Pharaoh. This would have been some sort of prayer that he would prosper and that God would give him many children and all those kind of things. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? So there are no doubt this is probably the oldest man he's ever seen. Okay. And it was obvious, you know, the many years weathered into the man's face. And so he he notices this, that he's before someone who has lived a long time. And he's blessed by his presence. And he prays over him. This very, very wise sage prays over him. And he asks him, how old are you? And Jacob says to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. And yet few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. So what he's Saying here is that he's comparing. Now, before he says that, like I said, he blesses Pharaoh. In Hebrews 7 7, it says, Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Even in Egyptian culture, they knew that when they're in the presence of somebody as old as Jacob, they're in the presence of someone very wise. And so Pharaoh, who's the greatest in all the land, really sees the greatest person now in the land is Jacob, and he wants his blessing. He wants his blessing, and the way that Jacob refers to his years as a pilgrimage, we'll get to that in a moment. But he kind of says it in a humble way. He doesn't boast about his age or anything like that. But he does say here that um, that his years have been few compared to uh, compared to Abraham that lived a hundred and. 75, and compared to his father Isaac, that lived 180, he's only 130 years. And the word evil there doesn't mean evil, as in the way satanic or something wicked or anything like that. It just means difficult, you know? It has been difficult for him. He thought his his son was dead for 22 years. You know, his other two sons killed all the people that were in Shechem. You know, he has had one difficulty when he was fleeing from his brother uh, Esau, and then uh, the way that Laban tricked him, you know, and then he had to marry uh, uh, his other daughter Leah, uh, and then had to run away from Laban. And so it has not been an easy life by any stretch of the imagination. He's had many trials and things like that but it's been blessed nonetheless. It's still been blessed. The word pilgrimage here in the Hebrew is magur, and it means in the sense of lodging a temporary abode, by extension a permanent residence. But this word pilgrim here, or pilgrimage, speaks of somebody who's traveling, a stranger, a sojourner, just passing through. First Peter 2:11 tells us, when it comes to us, it says, "Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. We are also travelers on our way home. Every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are traveling through this earth, through this world, to make it home to your destination, which is in heaven, where Jesus says, "I go and prepare a place for you." And in my Father's house are many rooms or mansions. And where I go, you will also go. So that's where Jesus is. That's how we know that's where we're going to. And that's going to be the greatest coming home reunion party ever. And it should be something we fix our eyes on. Whatever difficulty you're going through, just know, as bad as it gets here on earth, that's the worst it's ever going to get for you. You have heaven to look forward to. This is as bad as it's ever going to get your life here on earth. But if you don't know Jesus, your life here on earth is as best as it's ever going to be. And where you're going, not so great. Not so great. If God is the God of love and you want nothing to do with God, then he's going to allow you to go to a place after you die that is going to be very unloving. If God is light, as the Bible says, then you're going to go to a place that isn't well-lit. If God is the God of all comfort, then you're going to a place that is very uncomfortable. Unloving, dark, uncomfortable. That's your future. But if you know Christ, guess what? Heaven's waiting. The best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. And so... Again, we have this pilgrimage. We're finally, someday, going to see the sun, and we are going to see our home once and for all. Now, along the way, we need to be a witness, and what an amazing witness that Jacob is being before Pharaoh. And so the question is, what kind of witness are we giving out? His witness of being as old as he was and praying over Pharaoh, he understood that he was in the presence of someone that had a whole lot of knowledge and he wanted that blessing. I would say for us is that we have to ask ourselves also, what kind of a witness are we giving out when people see us? And some of you are older and saying, well, I know that when people see me, they see age. Okay, great. And in this, and I'm sorry to say, in the, time that we live today and the culture that we live today, people don't see the wisdom of that, which is too bad, which is too bad because there's a lot of wisdom with people that have lived a long time. Now I would say this as well, there's a lot of people who have lived a long time and they don't have wisdom. And that's extremely sad when you see somebody in their 70s or 80s and they don't know the Lord, the wisdom they have isn't really wisdom. You know, I've talked to people who don't have the Lord and when they try and give me wisdom or whatever, it's more cynical than anything else. And it's, that's a sad, sad thing. But if you know the Lord, then the wisdom you should dispense should be speaking of eternity and how blessed you were and the opportunity you had and that uh, riches of this world aren't worth it. Don't pursue that, you know, and there's a lot that you can give out. And so in verse 11, it says, And Joseph situated his father and his brothers, gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, and in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Understand that Moses is writing this. So he's writing this from the perspective that he understands that Goshen is in the land of Ramesses, which comes later on, but it was before the time of Moses. So as Moses is speaking and he's writing this, the best way to communicate where Goshen is, is to explain it's where the land of Ramesses is, where, where his audience at that time would have known where the land of Ramesses is. Okay? Even though it was Goshen first, and then it became the land of Ramesses. And then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with bread according to the number in their families. So now that they have been placed there, what we have here, of the next many verses is a summary of the famine in that that came upon the land. And so what I have done there are four phases to this famine, all right? So in order for you to understand these phases, I did this in my Bible. From verse 15 through 16, I put a little bracket next to it. I put phase 1. Okay? From verse um From verse 17, or 16 and 17, so I take it back, verse 15 is phase 1. 16 and 17, I put a bracket, it's phase 2, okay? Then phase 3, I put a bracket between verses 18 to 21, okay? Verse 22 is a different thing that we'll get to here in a moment. And then phase 4 is verse 23 through 26. I put a little bracket around that, put phase 4, okay? So as we go through phase one, we see here, um, it says in verse 13 and 14, it says, now there was no bread in all the land for the famine was very severe so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of famine. So it's not just the land of Egypt. It's also the land of Canaan, okay, that this famine hit. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan. So people in Canaan kept coming down, buying bread during this first phase of the famine. For the grain which they bought, and Joseph bought the money into Pharaoh's house. So the people used their money to buy grain. Now, this is phase one. This is made very, very clear. This does not mean that everyone in Egypt and in the land of Canaan in that first year used up all their money. Because we see who? Jacob sending his sons in the second year of the famine to do what? Buy grain with what? Money. All right? But the majority of the people in this first phase, however long it took, whether it was one or two years or whatever, it's going to be different for different people. In the first year, then people could have run out of money, okay? Could have run out of money. There's other people that ran out of money after two years, okay? Whoever was able to buy grain with money is in phase one of this famine, okay? are in phase one of this famine. Phase two begins when you run out of money. And now you have to purchase grain some other way. And so when that began to happen with people, then it says in verse 15, so when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed, meaning they ran out of money. So Joseph said, give your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all the livestock that year. So if you're in phase one, you can still pay for it. If you're now out of money, you can now pay for grain this way by giving livestock. Here's a camel. Here's a donkey. Here's a horse. Here's one of my goats. Here's one of my sheep. You know, whatever it is that you have. Here's some chickens, whatever. Okay? You could buy grain that way. Then you have phase three. Verse 18, when that year had ended, they came to him the next year, meaning when that year, when that time was that they ran out of money and possessions, whenever that one, whatever that year was, I mean, you're kind of buying, kind of going to them year for year, and then whatever that year is for you, the next year, you're now out of money, you're out of possessions. Now you're in phase three, okay? Um, This is now the next year that you have to do something different, Okay. And he said to them, we will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds of livestock. There's nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread. Now, notice it's the people that kept going to Joseph and saying, okay, we're out of money. Um, can we now give you livestock for bread? Sure. Notice it's the people that come and say, hey, we're out of livestock now, but now we will give you our lands, and we will now be your servants for bread. So it's the people that come to him, and he says, okay, that's a great way of doing it. So why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? by us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. So that's what they do. They become tenant farmers, okay? This is how the serfdom kind of began there, that Pharaoh's going to own everything, the government's going to go every, uh, own everything, and now you're just a tenant on that land in order to produce for your family, and you're going to give part of that uh, back to Pharaoh, okay? But right now, they just give up their land and themselves, okay? It belongs to them, but again, uh, you buy our land, by us, And so with all that's going on here, there's one exception, verse 22. Okay, oh, I'm sorry, verse 20. Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe severe upon them, so the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. So they now moved them into the cities. With all this going on, there is this one exception, the Egyptian priesthood. Verse 22. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate their rations. Uh, and, and so with which Pharaoh gave them, therefore they did not sell their land. So the Egyptian priesthood was part of the royal government, and so they did not need to buy grain or sell their land and said a royal allotment was given to them because they were working with the government. Now we have phase four, verse 23. Then Joseph said to the people, indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you. You shall sow the land and it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one fifth to Pharaoh. Now I would submit to you phase four, the famine is over, has just ended. Or why else would you give him seed? Where are you going to plant it? If you're still in a in a famine, what are you going to do with seed? You're going to plant it in the ground under this other mound of dust and see what happens. Nothing's going to happen, okay? Now, the fourth phase here... Either um, they know that the, uh, that the famine is coming to an end, because the dream was seven years, okay? Seven years is coming to an end. And so now it says, Joseph said to the people. So now the people aren't coming to him. He's now gathering the people together in phase four here. And he says, indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you. You shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field and for your food, for those for those of your households, as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made a law over all the land of Egypt to this day, which means what was put in place then was still going on at the time of Moses' when he wrote about this, okay, that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh. So in short, Egypt becomes a serfdom, uh, becomes, and so uh, he has these royal serfs now that now uh, t- are tenants on the land, and so whatever they produce, they take four-fifths of themselves, and one-fifth goes to Pharaoh, which is 20%. So that's their taxation, and that continues on. Now, Joseph is in favor, uh, uh, Pharaoh uh, is in favor in the eyes of Pharaoh. But when we start the book of Exodus, not too long from now, it's going to say that there arose a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, meaning didn't care about him. Now, the question is, how did they fall out of favor with Joseph, or uh, how did Joseph and, and the rest of the Israelites fall out of favor with this new pharaoh, or some pharaohs that were even before this pharaoh that we'll, we'll see in, in chapter one of Exodus? Well, it could be that the Egyptians, after they threw off the yoke of the Hiscox kings and become their own kings again, that they see that what has been put in place here is because of Joseph. The reason we had such a difficult time is because of Joseph implementing this could be one of the reasons here. But we're going to stop there because these next few verses here, 27 through 31, kind of is more of an introduction into chapter 48. So let's pray.
0: That's all we have time for today on this Monday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Listen in tomorrow as we continue our study in Genesis. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. And on Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our Young Adults Ministry, Arise, meets every Friday evening at 6.30 p.m. at the church. Child care is offered for all our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell gas station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.